welcome back to Hello. First Time Films. Uh, this is the last one for Indie Month. We're going to talk about a great film. A great film of mine. Not a great... Oh, I wouldn't say a great film all round, but a great film nonetheless. It's Clerks, Clerks. by Kevin Smith. That was released in 1994 as an independent film made budget like Kevin Smith put everything he could behind this film. So he wrote it, directed it, produced it with Scott Mosier. And it's just about shop clerks. It is a day in the life of a shop clerk or clerks, if you will. Uh, and I think it's just <laughs> Higgins. Oh, <laughs> Can we just himself. explain it? Jack Higgins never watched the movie, so he's leaving. So he's just leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Chuck Turner. He's now left the podcast. <laughs> 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 he's closed his door. He is done. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. uh, it was distributed by Miramax, and Miramax is infamously Harvey Weinstein's fucking. Who's he? Oh, fucking. <laughs> we'll go into him very soon. Harvey Steinway. But as every other film we're doing these days, we are seeing the budget. And the budget for this film is so I'm going to talk about the end of this film. The film has got so many things about it that showed why an independent film is an independent film and how people go away to cut costs and all that. But the budget for this film was twenty seven thousand five hundred seventy five dollars. What did it make at the box office, Gary? By the way, Gary's here for the last Hi, one. For the last one for the. <laughs> um, what did it make? I want to say fifteen million. Right. Tough. But as defending champion of this box office thing, I'm going to say 14.999 million. But this is the price is right, you just I'm go for it. I'm going to say 5. 5 million? 5 million. 5 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nicky's the, the closest to it. Uh, a budget, it, it did say 27. 27,575 but then it said 230 grand post but that's just like mm-hmm. I was going to do an initial budget here yeah. which is 20, so because the budget does actually matter because yeah. Kevin Smith like maxed out all his credit cards sold these I know I'm probably m- going to get this but is that why it's black and white well, yeah we're going to get to that but it's like he sold these full comic book collection with like action comics number one fucking Spider-Man number 30 like stuff that was clinical like comic book absolute holy grails and he sold them to make this film like he busted his ass and it made 3.2 million that was close yeah by the way like that's like how many more times that budget is exactly it's like the world's most dodgiest Cooper in it making a movie (laughs) so the film clerks is literally about clerks one in a convenience store one in a video shop next to each other and it's just in their life one of them that wasn't supposed to be in that day and you the other one didn't injure it fuck's sake <laughs> well, even meant to be here today <laughs> it's just like it's, it's literally what Ke- like Ke- it's just about a film that Kevin Smith was like in the day of the life in his 20s just wanted to make a film mm-hmm. and he's obviously his main thing in his dialogue because he couldn't do much so it's a black and white for a start it's black and white simply because they have to film it at night in the actual store and that's why the very the very plot point of he can't open the shuttles because they don't want the daylight coming in. So it's black and white because they could film it at night, but the obviously the audience wouldn't was none the wiser. Um, and it, it's just it's got so many quote posts, it's lines in it, it's so. But the acting in it, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, the acting's bad. The be, see the main guy in it is Dante, who's played by Gary. No, I don't know. But the, that like, guy, he's, he's one of the Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. But he's the he's the, one of the Kevin Smith. He's, he's Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith OG, and Dante is 
the guy who plays on is a horrendous actor. <laughs> no, but I think that he he looks like fucking DiCaprio compared to some of the other people in it. Like he yeah, seems like a good actor. Is that way where the dialogue goes where somebody stops somebody you can feel like when they're waiting for the person yeah. to stop so they can go in? You need yeah. to remember as well. But it's, it's good. Kevin Smith's never done anything before. Um, did like half his time at film school and then pied it. Mm-hmm. Um, literally just wanted to make something and had no experience in it. And I think for going into it completely dry, like he's, 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 he's done pretty good. The thing is, you get Dante and you get Randall, who are both clerks, and both of them are like one different things, but they're in the same position in life. Um, and you've got obviously the ins and outs of their characters, and obviously characters and that. And it's just, I think he's just so simplistic in terms of what goes on and what they want and it's just one day and then eventually they come to a conclusion at the end of what they actually want in life mm. and I think that's just what the, like the most simplistic of being a shop clerk and just doing your job and similar to what I was saying about you know you can relate to I'm sure we've all probably worked in shops or things similar yeah. to that and that's what it's like you sit and talk about things like Star Wars and I mean, the, I mean the, only, the only bit that I wouldn't have related to is the part when they go to Awaken and not the body over which yeah it's obviously I'm never related to that in my life but it's like so weird like this like the one thing I was saying about the plot of this movie is like there's, the, there's like weird bits that just really don't fit with the rest of the tone of the movie so, but I love them the film is I think it's loved like probably Kevin Smith's most loved film because it's such a cult classic and it's because it speaks about ran- not just random things but it's like he says stuff that you would talk about to your pal so the whole I think the most infamous bit of dialogue in the film and it's my favourite bit of dialogue is the talk about the Return of the Jedi you second me that Death a while Star. Ago and that's all I'd seen of it. So basically, for those who don't know, it's about how the Empire was building two Death Stars at the same time in the case of one getting blown up by Luke Skywalker, who Dante says, Give credit where credit's due, but I mean, there's fuck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he says, says by the Rebel Alliance, then he says, Luke Skywalker. So, so basically, the Return of the Jedi talks about how they're going to blow up the second Death Star but it's also in the middle of the construction so therefore they must have got hired <coughs> contractors into stuff that you'd go that does make sense mm-hmm. and in, weirdly enough there's a roofer in the shop at the same time who talks about a story how like why did he give his business card? because you're a roofer you're not a man but see the best bit I've rewatched Clerks for the 90th time this morning and I've found my new favourite funny line and it's when the roofer says when you're a roofer, you think with your head, not your, not the money. There's <laughs> <laughs> so many bits that are hilarious. See the bit I love to see Walt from Comic Book Man. If you've watched yep. that, yeah. he plays like the B Egg guy, and he plays the guy that's like dead offended when they're talking about stuff. It's mm. fucking hilarious. That bit, like just his face. No. It's such bad acting, but it's hilarious. Yeah, the best thing about this film as well. So obviously we'll talk about more in detail that the credits and stuff. But a lot. So Kevin Smith just got MD he could. So see actual customers in the shop yeah. he got them playing it so there's obviously scenes where like Randall and Dante, Dante are away from the shop they're going to wake up playing hockey whatever, and there's people at the door like chanting the door and you can see like obviously they're not actors so they're just like laughing or something it's very amateur but I think it works at the same time but see some of the acting in it is questionable wow. my favourite actor is like it's the guy who wants to go to the toilet and he's acting oh, like he's in a Jewish 1960s like mm. a gangster film. He comes up and he's like, "Hey, you know, young man, like, like it's just Thank like that sort of thing." And I'm just like, "That is amazing." The, the, the cast for this film is just all uh, Kevin Smith's pals, and then people who were wandering around, literally coming because Kevin Smith himself worked in the shop and mm-hmm. the film. That was his job. Yeah. He was a clerk in that shop. And he would just ask customers. So all the people that you see in the film are customers of the shop or pals, yeah. like patrons of the shop who've just come I in. And he's like, fancy being in a film. The only exception of well, not exception, but the only person who's a wee bit different is the uh, the milk maid. 
if you remember that oh, scene where they talk checking about, the milk. Yeah, that's the thing I say. Checks all the milk. I think that's Kevin. So that's Kevin Smith's mum. Yeah, nice. That's so stupid. See what I thought about this film, where it's criticising the acting and stuff. I think it's one of those films that you look and think, it seems like it's easy to do. But see if it was easy to do, fucking everyone would do it. No, but I think it's just not easy. It's so, it's unassuming. You like, know. you think, like, it's so hard to make something like that. But because the script is so solid, because I've read, I've read the script as well, yeah. and the script literally is airtight. I think is this film is important to me, because it's not the best film ever, but it's important to me because it made me realise that films could be much more than just plot, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot more dialogue wise and like And you're tuned in constantly. And you're yeah. constantly interested in what people are saying. I think that's what made me realise I could probably write that and yeah. be interested in dialogue wise. Um it's totally character driven as well. Like Oh I, like you know who they are straight away. Yeah, and and you're so invested in what they're saying and even though like these are like flawed characters, um like these two guys you, you really give a shit about what they think and what they're like Opin- like opinions are and how they deal with the problems in their life it's naturalistic I like well. so, yeah. Yeah, the naturalistic is. part of it as well as so for example com- the day to day conversations you'd have with your pals or at a party or something so yeah. what I take from that is when Dante's girlfriend at the start of the film is in and they talk about how many people they've slept with mm-hmm. and she throws a tizzy and she goes and talks about blowjobs is completely different from having sex and that- girlfriend stuck, stuck 37 dicks <laughs> oh, so 36 is like 37 <laughs> so I think that as well like you just kind of go it's such a stupid thing but like you relate to it in a weird way that you have daft conversations with either the person you're with For or sure. like in general um, and that's just what the combination of this film is just daft conversations of daft things happening like for example when uh, Dante's thinking about leaving his girlfriend for his ex and he's like, oh, we're going to be together, blah, blah, mm. and it turns out she's actually getting married, and then he has that conversation. Like, this all happens within a day. So they have, like, a hockey game on the roof. They have, um, they go to a wake. It's just weird, random shit that happens, but I think Kevin Smith is just an amalgamation of stuff that he wanted to film and do, and it, it's inspiring in terms of he'd done everything he can to make that film, and it's not, again, he'll even probably say it's not the greatest film ever, but he wanted to make something that he could put his name against. And a testament to his writing is the fact that there are is such memorable characters, even side characters of like the infamous Jane Silent Bob, mate. mate and and the, they're, they're supposed to be minor players in this one film, because he never thought that the viewer skew universe was going to blow up like it did, mm. but... Jay and Silent Bob are two hilarious characters that are in oh, it. Like, like sporadically just I selling drugs, and dancing, listening to music outside the store. Perfect little cutaways. See, no, I think he's just the greatest singer. And this, so Jay is a personal good friend of Kevin Smith, so he wanted to be in the film because he said, just play you. Mm-hmm. And I think we can think of many people who are a character character in their own world. Mm-hmm. He's like, just play you in this film. So like, there's bits, <laughs> there's a scene where Jay and Silent Bob were in talking to Danny the clerk and he was like, listen, oh, when did you get off? Like, we were going to our party to smoke weed, um, blah, blah, blah. And he says, oh, my grandma used to say this thing about plates. And he's like, I fucked that up. Like, he was telling the story. <laughs> but see the way he says it, you could, like, because the way Kevin Smith kind of doesn't react, but also that wasn't meant to be fucked up. Like, yeah. he was meant to say the line. But Jay keeps going. And there's, like, other stuff where, like, Jay's pretending that there's girls by and he's whistling at them and he's dancing and he's shouting things about snoochy bitches and... Snoogies. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, like, uh, like Mad. making up songs about smoking bleed, doing coke. Smoking yeah. bleed, smoking weed, doing... Like, that stuff that he would actually do and yeah. gets, like... You're gonna be in this film. He's just need- he's just put him in, and it's just entertaining to watch. And I mean, don't like. There's no reading deeper into this film. It's pure entertainment, and it's mm. and it's kind of it's like naturalistic entertainment. It's more than the, the naturalism is all good, but like it's like you said, it's like the 
the weird situations that pop up. Like my favorite part of the movie by far is the counter merchant scene, uh, where he gets the guy coming out of it. Like at the very start, because it just sets the tone so perfectly. The guy sitting there, like seemingly unassuming, and then it starts just to mount up and mount up, and it ends with them just like completely throwing stuff at him. He's like, and do you know what his favorite line is? That is when he's having his wee run, and he's like, "Look at him! He can smell when we're you know we're we're rising up." And I'm just like, it's so hilarious. I think this film is really good in terms of like so every scene I wouldn't say every scene but they're definitely like, for example that part with the cancer merchant right. and like the hockey and the roof scene like Kevin Smith through his whole like it says he was 23 at this point the whole 23 years he's like oh this would be funny to put in a film this would be funny and he's clearly just put them together and go well say there's a shock like, like, he's just his yeah. ideas are now yeah. materialised and he can make it as you said like the plot's fucking in and out and I think yeah. that's because he's through his whole adult life he's just been like oh this would be funny to put in a film this would be funny and he wants to do it in this yeah. film he writes what he wants to see he writes what he yeah, exactly so like, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so if you look at the credits as well um, as I said earlier on the first time I actually read the credits and there's so many repeating names because he just he needed people to do things yeah. and it's a total passion project for him oh, and the producer Scott Mosier who both left film school at the same time yeah. and just wanted to get something made and they kind of they just chose one I of the two scripts and does he have not worked on the film with Truffles you know how fucking hard that is man I think it's, fucking, it's hard to get people to commit to things it's hard yeah, to get yeah. people that want to actually be in something and for no for no real reason other than to just do it well it's the beginning to end of it isn't it because you look at a movie like Clerks and the smart thing that he's done obviously is he can find it mostly to the one location in that in that shop and but it makes sense why he's well, done it that's, what, that's what he's wrote the script for it to make sense but it's because he has those practical limitations mm. placed on him and he's played into his strengths there but it goes all the way from the writing process, like you said, before you need to analyze something like this, you need to make sure that script is as good and airtight as possible. Yeah. And then you're moving on and like you say, Nicky, like with the practice yeah. the lack of complete rack lack of resources that he has, and like you said, with putting himself on the line, maxing out all those credit cards and stuff like that, like this is like a process that easily could have went wrong anywhere along the road and the only one guiding factor getting it through it is Kevin Smith's sheer will to get this movie yeah, and that's another thing as well else you can tell how convincing he would be because he's so passionate see like yeah. the, the, I want you to just stick on to the passion part because like him selling all those comic books is a big thing for him and if you know Kevin Smith then you know that how much he loves comedy like, yeah. it's everything yeah. so they would have took him even at a young age quite naive as well mm-hmm. it, it took him so much to sell all those holy grails of, like, oh, you've all got something with like that but see I, re- I recently watched an episode of I can't remember what it is it's, like, it's a comic book channel on YouTube and they take celebrities into comic book shops and like see what they're going to buy is it a comic book shop in Kojandra? quite probably and, um, and Kevin Smith's on an episode literally said in the last six months and they talk about clerks and how he sold his collection and, like have you built your collection back up since then he was like not even close so he knows yeah. that even then, like 20, 30 years down the line, he's still like, it was so hard for You'd him. You'd never see those. Like, some no, he knows, yeah. and the gamble that was paid, it paid off luckily, but see if it didn't, you'd have been heartbroken if oh, you well, sold so just five man number 13 and yeah, it wouldn't have happened. And that's the thing, like, because you can nitpick and there's been a lot of people who would come in with like, think pieces about this movie, about things are said and stuff like that, and like you say, it's not a perfect film, but the one thing that came out of this movie is just how much Kevin Smith loves what he does and he puts everything on the line for it. The same thing I, I said to Juno Zeller, I said, see if people have tried to do something, they've seen it through, tried yeah. their best, and it is what they've tried to make it. You can't knock it. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a film we're talking about. This is like nocturnal animals in terms of this is a film that's not for general audience. Um, if you don't see if you sit and watch a film, no, yeah, like it, you, I think you believe like, this is a load yeah. of shit. Like it's hard to watch, but see when you start, like you, you need to be actually in it 
You need yeah. to be in the conversation it's with Dante and Randy. It's, it's in this kind of genre. I was saying this to Truff last night. Like, um, it's in the genre of like the nineties hangout movie. Yeah. Which starts with like you can trace it back to Slacker and Dazed and Confused. These early Richard Linklater films. I should add also Miramax, Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> Children. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he he totally buffed this era. And as much as a, of an arse piece as he is, um, these directors got their start there, and like a massive thing in the independent movement was a total shift in style from the 1980s massive blockbusters yeah. um, huge visual effects to these small conversation films and films like Slacker Dazed and Confused um, Clerks you know what I mean like these yeah. these films well, made, did he not I know it's not anywhere near the same end, but did he not produce like, Reservoir Dogs and that yeah. I know it is he got, there he, is action he, he gave Tarantino his start as well there is action but that's a bit of a guy getting his fucking ear cut off there's a lot of music but the, the, the main, so yeah, different the main thing in Reservoir Dogs um, the main kind of plot point is this robbery, which you don't see at all. Yeah, you know I mean? it's, it's, not even, it's not even shown on screen. It's, it's just them talking about it. And yeah, it's yeah. masterful because I wish now, like we've had a lot of discussions, like on the show, mm. and especially in the part two, talking about movie news and stuff like that. How much money does make the world go round in Hollywood these days? And it feels now like there is no middle of the road like Miramax gave us because Miramax gave these movies that eventually got to what I would call the mid-budget movies mm. when you go down the road from Clerks to something like Goodwill Hunting which was like uh, Miramax's like crown jewel back in 1997 we don't really have that anymore we're, we're putting money into films that are meant to be good quality while also being successful now it seems to be that you're either making a Clerks for nothing or you're going and then if you've managed somehow to get success out of that with minimal backing you're attached out and you're put in to direct like an Avengers Endgame or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah. so I think I was just wanting to kind of talk about the Harvey Weinstein thing as well and the fact that in the credits he, he does a part where he thanks like his mum and dad the people that were involved mm. people who ins- inspired him to do things um, and then the very last thanks is to Harvey Weinstein and it's something like daft like for buying a potato skins or something like so obviously they had yeah. lunch or something like this but it's weird seeing his name and obviously Kevin Smith probably to this day will still be like without Harvey Weinstein it wouldn't be where I am today that's true and it's that's a true. very weird thing to say and obviously there's a, a story that came out when the day before the night before Weinstein mm-hmm. like the whole fucking um, Me Too movement came out uh, Weinstein was phoning everybody to try and back him up and one of those people were Kevin Smith he was like Oh, we need to get it was a sequel to Dogma I wanted to do yeah. and he was like oh totally and he was just kind of getting a backing and it's it's that it's that a hard thing to be like it's that hard thing between him like the, what he's done and he's an absolute asshole and mm. a horrible horrible man but again without him yeah. and without the backing and the like with him not seeing something in Kevin Smith which right. have films like this and it's just such a it makes you feel uneasy because there is benefits to people that fucking I'm not comparing it with Hitler right but Hitler made fucking Volkswagen Beetle so poor people could have a car there is benefits people will everyone yeah. has Every their wee pluses that they're trying to help yeah. and, and this is the like, Harvey Doesn't Weinstein's private like this evil guy and he's done horrendous things um, but in his professional life there is no doubt that he was really good at what he did yeah. and, he, and he had some eye for picking things that would garner success and arguably is the reason that an entire movement of cinema yeah, happened. Yeah, that's why he stayed in the position. Yeah, no, exactly. Long. That's why, that's why he was in people. the position he was because he was the most powerful guy in Hollywood and it's not for no reason, you know what I mean? Um, no. Imagine how hard it is for people like Kevin Smith. Like, imagine someone you know the now getting that found out it'd be horrible. You wouldn't know what to do. Then imagine, think, then imagine the whole world knows he's a friend. I think yeah. it's not yeah. just the pals. I think, I think everyone had the 
everyone knew about Weinstein before it happened. Yeah, they had said things. They had their it. stories and all that, but because, as Gary said, he was the most powerful, one of the most powerful men in Hollywood, yeah. you either didn't say anything or if you did say something, you would get a job again. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be hard to admit yeah. that you don't know what you would do in that situation. It'd be great to say, I would have told, but see if you want something that much. It's, it's the professional thing as well. Like, I hate, I'm always, gonna, I'd probably I hate, turn the point I hate to compare everything to wrestling, but a similar debate happened, obviously, <laughs> the Chris Benoit affair. And I'll put it with Harvey Weinstein and Chris Benoit. Harvey Weinstein made great movies just the same way Chris Benoit had iconic and great wrestling matches. But there gets to a certain point where someone is so evil that you can't Glorify then it. praise them for their art. When for you can't sure. delete the fact that he did all these things and that he did yeah. help all these yeah. people and did birth this movement. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, wasn't Harvey Weinstein wonderful? Yeah. You know, people that like him but not him, really. You say it with a pinch of salt and you, you say it knowing mm-hmm. that what you know now yeah. makes it so up, like, because it, it taints it. When yeah. I see the Miramax logo, you know what I mean? Um, normally it's on a film that is one, like, I hold really dear me because they, yeah. um, like, they made great films back in the day. But it's totally tainted. It's, 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 it's like nostalgia, and we talked about. I was in a class the other day. We were talking about the dangers of uh, putting nostalgia or like um, intertextuality in books and stuff like that. Because as soon as that other reference changes, it then changes the context of your novel. For example, we had a feminist professor who would always show the telephone video of Lady Gaga and Beyonce mm. every year in an English class while she was teaching something like Robinson Crusoe or something like that, something about the imagery or something. But now she stopped doing it. And I realised the reason she stopped doing it is because she wanted to put that video forward as like iconic feminist imagery and stuff like that. Mm. But that but video, they feature the pussy wagon from Kill Bill, which if you take in the context Weinstein. of the last two years, Harvey Weinstein, the stories about Uma Furman and stuff like that, all of a sudden that reference now changes yeah. the entire tone of that video and all of a sudden it's a whole new thing uh, you can put into I it. I think as well as that is like... I'm not carrying on, I can't wait to see it. Oh, thanks. See, what my issue is, <laughs> that was nice of you. My issue is with the Harvey Weinstein thing is that, see if he was doing this, and he's, see if he had his professional life, then he went up the road and was doing all this horrible stuff. But it blended into his professional life as well. Yes. You then watch the films and you think, what was he up to when yeah. this was going on? Well, you're was seeing, you're seeing who's cast in the film and they go, how did he even get cast? And yeah, you know, yeah it's, the then, it's then the backlog when it's blended into the professional life, you're like, that's fucked. Horrendous. There's no. There's, there's no. I was. I, I was just going to kind of shift on, and in terms of the film being dated as well, because. Well, you said that before. I didn't really notice that. Well, much, I mean, know? I'm sure Truffle will be able to tell you in some of the language it's used in the film. Some of the language that was used back in the nineties, but if you watch something like. Beavis I would. I wouldn't even say just the nineties. I'd say up until like early two thousands. So the word. Um, the F word the F word, word is that. used uh, many uh, multiple times in the film, but is it Randall? Randall always uses it. Uh, Jay. Jay uses it. Jay. Uh, Jay uses it the first yeah. time because in all in context, because see the first time Jay uses it, it's actually fine because it's kind of self mocking. Yeah. Because he's saying like, oh, oh, oh Bob, you're, like, you're rude, but you're you're fucking beautiful. Like I'd yeah. suck your dick. You know what I mean? And then yeah. he's like sort of saying it to himself, so it's fine. It's the other use of it. And he, he, he reverses and he goes, "Don't you want me to suck your dick?" Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of people would point to that nowadays. It's like the same way they think of friends is homophobic and they'd be like Kevin Smith is homophobic. I don't think for a second that no. Kevin Smith is homophobic. I just think that was the culture back then. Yeah. You know I mean? I think that's it was exact- more than acceptable to say that. That's yeah. it. I, it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's more than acceptable. No, it was. You wouldn't have liked an eye said that back then. Yeah. You would not yeah, have had a same thought. Yes, I think it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's, it's it'd probably be allowed to say the telly back. But it makes sense in the terms they put with the character that's saying it as well. You know what I mean? Like it, So it's not as if it's like. Dante randomly saying it it's like yeah, no, it's it's true, it's yeah, yeah. so it's these ones that are like portrayed as dumb or 
that extremely, just extremely filled mouth. Exactly. So, but I think I, it's I mean, the misogyny that's the worst part. I think that the misogyny and it's yeah. the most dated part of it. Um, what was said? What was bad? Well, the, 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 the way, the way, I think the way Dante reacts I to think the just girls, thing just as girls well. in general. Yeah. Guys are still like that. A lot of people are still insanely jealous of. Um, you don't see it in media because it's not an exception. Yeah, yeah, the problem right. with it is if you're going to portray that, you should then give the sort of female characters like equal scope and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well. Like there is a system. It doesn't come out to be bad for doing that. Yeah, exactly. There's a system of like checks and balances with it. Like I said, it doesn't actually detract too much from the movie for me. As far as like, I think we've watched things that date a lot worse. Like, if, it's, if, it's show, a, if it's a more central plot point, mm. becomes really problematic really quickly. But because it's not like a it's not like the crux of the film is all based on this thing. Yeah. It's one character's kind of thing that he's dealing with, but then he eventually, like, not like his he comes round to the I- yeah. idea or whatever. Like yeah. he's not like he doesn't react with like anger or like venom or anything like that. But still, that is how he reacted at one point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think it, had it been a more kind of central part of the film, it would have dated a lot, a lot worse. Mm-hmm. I but all round. I think the actual dialogue and everything in this film is absolutely juicy or tight. I think. Yeah, this is it. You take you take it for the time period it was in, um, and, and I think it's a perfect nineties film. You yeah. see the way they dress. It's so much how well it was written because very original, so original. It's basically part of that MTV generation with Beavis and Butthead, Daria and stuff like that, and all the stuff. What's well, probably good about it is that that was probably that's probably just their clothes. They're all just wearing what you people no, did exactly. in the nineties. It's the way they dress, and it makes sense. And I think it's just so. Like, because as you said, like, because you can tell it's Kevin Smith's absolute passion and it's what he wanted to do. You can see Kevin Smith through it. You can feel exactly what he was feeling at the time. I think that's what makes it so good. But from there on, it, it launched Kevin Smith's career into yeah. what he wanted to do. I'm so, going to watch. I've never seen anything he's done. I'm going to watch it. Jay Lee the whole thing. I'll be watching. Watch Tusk. I'll be watching yeah, them next. <laughs> I got into him when I started to watch that comic book man thing. Yeah. And then see, I'll be can, watching more. The considering that. Kevin Smith, at that age, was attached to Miramax, Harvey Weinstein, so he could have been doing. He could have been doing all sorts. I mean, he was. He was at one point. He was going to be doing a Superman film, a Batman film, That's and all that. And but he eventually got dropped and all the rest. Of Prince it. documentary. Prince documentary that is only for Prince. Um, but Wait, see, what? have you not? Oh, mate, oh right, same than that. It's brilliant. It's so basically, part. in terms of so, Kev, Prince approached Kevin Smith in terms of he watched he seen Dogma, right? And he said, "I want a documentary about." What I do, like dogma, like just saw a documentary. So Kevin says, "Cool." So he starts going about and filming stuff. And long story short, there's a part when it's like they've run out of film. Yeah. But at this point, Kevin Smith has been told that this will never be distributed. It will never be seen by the public eye. It's only for Prince. Prince has got a vault for just himself, and he's said, "What a guy." It's just for him. So see when they run out of film, they don't tell him. Do they just pretend? Is that ever been released? No, no. It's in Prince's vault, mate. Yeah, but the prince is dead. You don't get people that anymore, man. Just fucking men. Anyway, you don't, you don't get it anyway because you're not allowed to be anyway, that famous the- now. Because <laughs> you're, so much, like, you're not allowed to just be that in your own world. You'd be like, you're done. You're just be like, nah, like all social media now. You just be like, right, relax. Whereas he was just prince. Imagine coming out then calling yourself a symbol. Still, it's weird yeah, as fuck. It was the nineties, dude. Um, yeah, exactly. You need. Uh, I'll say your documentary. Uh, no documentary. The video of it. It's no, I was going to say you have it. <laughs> you really, you really. Should. But the point I'm making is the fact that uh, Kevin Smith's catalogue of films he's made: Dogma, Clerks Two, Tusk, Red State, like all these films he made. James Island, Bob Strike Back. James, like all these films that he made, they're nothing 
it was all his ideas. It was all original, all original. stuff. Um, and he was like, see, because the clerks and stuff like Dogma would made a lot of money chasing Amy. Moderate. Um, mm. It was like people, chasing Amy doesn't date well. But it got chasing, chasing Amy does not date well. Chasing Amy does not date but well. But it got to a point. What about it? The whole talk. Oh, yeah. But it got to a point where like Miramax and like Hollywood were just they trusted Kevin Smith to do original stuff, and you know he never like I'm pretty sure he probably got offered here that next thing. He got offered. Yeah. It was at one point he got offered either Superman. Uh, which was John Peters was going to produce which he ended up doing or Beetlejuice so, Goes Hawaiian mm. so he got offered like big big stuff but mm. he was not himself back because he wanted to do his own stuff yeah. so it's it just shows decision, that, that even even sure. at that point in the 90s and sure. like money daft like Kevin Smith still sucked his guns and went I want to do what I want to do so he wanted to do a film about his religion which is dogly he wanted to do stuff about a guy whose girlfriend that's how you end up being Kevin Smith like a guy whose name you know rather than yeah. going and doing stuff other people want you to yeah. stick to your fucking guns uh, but I, I thumbs up. I'm, I'm assuming it's a thumbs up. A thumbs up. A thumbs up for Kevin Smith. A large thumbs up. Thumbs up, and I will be watching his his other movies. Morats is it's a great one. Morats, I forgot that. is the Morats and Dogma are the. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, the only Marvel film before any Marvel film actually released, uh, well actually I'm telling lie, but Stan Lee just cameoed in Mallrats just for a laugh. Yeah, and it's a great cameo. It's like a fantastic. He's reading the script for Mallrats and Captain Marvel. Is it? Yes, yeah, he's on the bus and then. Uh, this is the 90s. That's amazing. Yeah, yes. classic. So now we're on to the second part of our show, Woo-hoo. and it's a pitch battle. Mm. And I, was, I think the question was pitch a. Next, the, the next, next film Kevin Smith should do. Exactly. So I've never done a pitch battle. I know, this is Revenge Day's actual come. I need to beat him. Are you going to? I forgot about it. I know. So basically, I'm My looking. is terrible. In terms of. I'm going to give you a bit of a hint here. So, in terms of Kevin Smith, so obviously we've all seen Clerks. Mm. And I've mentioned how much I love clerks and the dialogue and all that. So if you can pitch me something Kevin Smith related to what he loves, to what I love, knowing that I love this film, then you've got a fucking mass audience. So hey, who's going first? I'll, I'll go, go first. I'll go first. I'll, I'll go, go first. You go first. I'll gamble. I'll say I'll go first. I don't go. Uh, I think genuinely, I think Gary should go first since he's a guest. Oh, fuck. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first. Uh, okay. Yeah. So my mine's I think is a perfect view askew film. We go. Um because I think it just works perfectly for his whole thing. Um if you if you've seen the latest Kevin Smith film, KJ and Silent Bob reboot, um it's the biggest self reference you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And I think a great self reference I don't think he would get the money for it, but if he did, um follows the day in the life of the construction crew on the Death Star. Is that your idea? No, but yes. this last night is so good. That's why I wanted to go first. Um, <laughs> a, a, day, a day in the life uh, of the construction crew, um, and they talk. They talk. They talk to each other about uh, just like their their opinions on their their, their 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 political opinions on the Star Wars universe. What they think of Han Solo uh, <laughs> and uh, Luke Skywalker, the rumors they've heard, um, and I think it'd just be really funny. And the guest stars are all like these kind of weird alien. Um, see like the aliens from the bar and yeah. stuff and most Eisley um, I, I love the idea of like um, if it was like clerks or something it's like imagine you didn't like clerks and it's like uh, these contractors commuting yeah. to the desk oh yeah 100% up, and then once they get in there they're like fucking this Luke Skywalker yeah. and like say they paint a picture of him and it's like this absolute legend and it turns out it's only Mark Hamill and, and I, think it, I think it'd be great when, when uh, Luke gets brought onto the Death Star and it's going to have this massive blowout with the Emperor and yeah, Darth yeah. Vader these guys should maybe just be like cleaning up and are accidentally mm-hmm. in the room or something like that, and they have Love to it. they have to like keep quiet. They're watching it unfold, and then That's if you want, time. if you want to no. totally fuck up the Star Wars canon, 
you have them intervene and Jane Silent Bob oh, can come, oh, come nice. as janitors. No, I would love as well as like see him, it's like Blue Harvest. Yeah, and it's 100%, like, but it's Kevin. It's the view askew Star Wars. But story. it's like, why is this long bridge? But there's no railing. It's like, I've got tunes. Like class. So yeah, that's my, that's my, that's, that's my fucking. Day, I'm yeah. not gonna lie, to you. I was like, somebody's gonna mention the contract. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I never thought Right, that keeps saying he goes there. No, you wanted to go first. But I, I wanted to go first, but now I want to go yeah, first. You try to end up in a high heel. Exactly, but at the second, second's yeah, the death fucking I've station. I've got one. Right, My go. idea is a fictionalised version of the making of clerks using actors and stuff, showing his journey of. Is this uh, Andy Mitchell wants to wrestle? The fucking <laughs> the, selling his comics, how that affected him and all that, building up, trying to get everyone involved, and then obviously ending up with the climax of how successful oh yeah you could end it like the start because he would know how all the dialogue was going behind the scenes of him trying to I think think if if that was like a mockumentary as well I think he would write that the thing is as well the the start of Clerks it's actually Dante and he's wardrobe and he's like fucking half asleep it's five in the morning he's got a phone call so you could actually end I think ending scene would just be your winning point is like the camera crew in someone's room and Dante said, he's like, right, you're going to roll back and, exactly. and as soon as the phone he, rings, it cuts off. That'd be classic. I see, just see it going to the, it's finally getting made because I presume it was a fucking pain in the ass to get all sorted. I mean, it, yeah, sure. like, it wasn't big production Because you need to be well. emotional but I think it'd be good to see how hard it was for him to make that decision. It's sell, sell his price. Oh, decisions. and you could like de-age Kevin Smith make him fat. You know how you'd like, like Adam Adley on? And imagine again like, the conversations between the people playing Dante and Randall and stuff while they're preparing to go on and do these conversations. Like, Talking about the contractors. I like that a lot. I I think it'd be good in terms of you could call it like Clerks Point Five, the documentary. I think I think that'd be class. These are fucking strong pictures. I don't think he'd have any good idea. (laughs) They came out with that. I'm good when I'm under pressure. That's what I need to, and I've forgotten this. Right, okay. I need to play a big card here. So I'm taking my big swinger. I had a couple ideas. I'm going to take my big swinger. Right, so I want to take my cast first. All right. So my cast is John Hamm and Nick Offerman. Right, and they're sitting in an office of um, their journalists, all right? So the first 20 minutes of the movie is just them having a conversation just about sports. 20 minutes? And, yeah, just about sports and stuff like that in general. And it goes to them just having a conversation around the office, all right? Right. We see a woman falling out a building outside and John Hamm's looking, he's like, uh-oh. He runs away and then he takes off the suit and he's Superman. So right. that's his Superman Returns, I'm pitching. But Kevin Smith is just totally going to Kevin Smith Superman. So this is a Kevin Smith film that... This is not the one he was going to make. Is because there's going to be no... There will be... Yes, there will. There will be no studio interference and it's just Kevin Smith basically doing clips. This, this, this is a Superman hangout but film. Ha- <laughs> it's the Superman hangout film. It just happens to be Superman. So that's your hint at it. But then he comes back to the office and it's just like the day in his life like talking in a compliment. <laughs> so that's one aspect. Like, he'll go back home and Lois Lane's moaning at him because he hasn't cut the grass or something. He's just getting a huge <laughs> yeah, argument. Yeah. He's just like, but you, you suck. 37 dicks today like who are you <laughs> telling me like just stupid shit like that right. but then the villain comes in and it's I can't remember his name but it's, it's Dwight from The Office right Rain as Wilson. Brainiac nice. yeah it's Rain Wilson as Brainiac and he just comes in he's the campus villain in the planet like he gets carried out in like a big like stretcher thing he's like, like a mega yeah exactly and he like pure calls out Superman and stuff like that in front of it but like Nick Offerman's in the street with a coffee and starts like son this is not what you want to do <laughs> stuff like that they end up in a pure conversation themselves right and then his plan is to take over the world using a giant spider alright to try and do it and Superman has to try and stop him so basically what I want is Kevin Smith making Superman film a comic book movie that he's always wanted to make without any studio interference and just doing a Superman movie that's basically a hangout film so your film is basically I'm just gonna I'm not slagging it here I'm just trying to round up in my head so it's basically you've got the Daily Planet and then you've got 
um, Superman doing very minimalistic Superman cutting grass and then and arguing with his wife and then Brainiac comes in and he calls no it Brainiac and then that, that's it there's like that, so that's happened and then there's, a, there's a bit of a plot <laughs> <laughs> Lois Lane is trying to get something for her kid's birthday and she can't find it so Lois Lane's going off to the supermarket and ends up like in a, a fight with the clerk that has not came in and stuff Which like so that the guy, they've got a child the clerk is definitely so they've got a child yeah Jonathan Kent's like five but he's a wee bastard oh no you should do as well you should make Jonathan Kent like the biggest fan of Batman ever and yeah, yeah. Raging, yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. The child's first that's all the, that's all the stuff you can do because it's a conversation movie. Like the only action you'll see is him fighting the giant spider at the end. But instead of that film and that fight, it's a Superman figurine, like fighting against a spider figurine, and you're just filming that. For you should make bit. a conversation as well. So it's like the Empire Strikes Back, except it's Batman and Superman. They talk about how Superman always wrecks Metropolis, and Batman always manages to keep everything. So like the cost of Metropolis and Gotham City. Yeah. Look how excited you are! The movie's writing itself, man. Like you know, so, you've absolutely. Bottled us. <laughs> what? What? Bottled it? <laughs> that was a great idea. This is definitely the worst. <laughs> eh, I wouldn't say it's the worst. No, eh, I think it's a really good idea. Eh, <laughs> but I'm just having to think. So I've got the contractors on the Death Star on Return yeah. of the Jedi. Having like the obviously the main point is the dialogue and yeah. talking about the universe and how they see it. And then you've got the documentary to Making of Clerks, which will be set in 1993. And how that happens, and the de-aging of the de-fattening of um, Kevin, Smith. Kevin Smith, and you've got Superman. The conversation Superman film. Su- Superman colon clerks. <laughs> the character study, yeah. Um, which is get hardly any Superman in it. <laughs> yes, but that's the point. So it's don't you no, see. I would have been one more if you turned around and said it's not called Superman; it's called Clark Kent. No, it's called Superman Returns because that was the movie he's going to make. Well, you should have called it. Superman Returns Thesis. It's like. Um, it's called oh. Superman Returns and it's going to play with your expectations of what the superhero genre should be. Nice. <laughs> you never let things go. But the thing is, you could, you, well, the superhero <laughs> film would not never the same because it could only be Kevin Smith to do the next and it's a beautiful because everyone else tries to mimic that. No one's going to mimic it. That's what's going to make it a great movie. It's going to stand alone as its own place and time. It's going to be Kevin Smith doing what he loves, making a movie with Superman, but also being true to who Kevin Smith is. Truff, I'm going to just say one thing. And mind I said at the start of the pitch, I said things that I love and Kevin Smith loves. Yeah. What's my favourite superhero? Uh, not Superman. It's absolutely not. He's the most hated superhero. Yeah. So... <laughs> I mean, you could have... I think this is biased. <laughs> I think you've just not researched the topic enough. <laughs> this is what you've done that every time. You're coming with like Dave Chappelle. All the people are like... I'm not being funny. Coming right? I respect the fuck out of Gary and Nicky is also a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't... I'm not respected. I mean, Gary is a lot better. My film would be fucking class, Luke. Your film would cost a bomb. It wouldn't cost a bomb. I've got a figurine, a figurine Superman (laughs) film figure fighting against a toy spider. I'm honestly pretty convinced with my idea. I like that. Your ideas were good, but they're not as good as mine. And if I don't win this pitch battle, I'm shutting this thing down. We're done. Right, I'm gonna. Do I pull Frank on me the other day? I said, Why are you doing that? And he went, Because I'm the producer and I edit it. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my nightmare last night. <laughs> that's why he said to you that he turned to me when you just got the nightmare or two. When he's I like, turned to him like, I had like, that the other day. I was like, Fuck. You're lucky it was a nightmare. He was fucking um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, I'm the producer and I edit it. Sitting on his computer. Then, then, when we're at this, he made me sit on the couch where he sat on his computer chair looking at me. And he was like, I like sitting up here. <laughs> <laughs> Love your power chip. Um, 
This is boded well like with your pitch, by the way, you absolute narcissist. <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to put them all up against each other and really rate the fact of what film I would like to see okay. in terms of what I would like to, uh, well, yeah, what I'd like to see. And, um, Chuff, I hate to say it, but... You've not won this one. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Fucking hell! What's his sound, Jim? Nicky's is class, and Gary's is class, but I feel like Star Wars needs... I'm Star Wars needs right. Gary's film. I love how you're like, oh, his is going to cost a bomb, as if Mike's is going to cost a bomb. You're actually, you're having a superimposed Jane Silent Bob in a Star Wars scene I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super, I don't want superimposed, I no. want sets built. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you ever seen... I want the, I want Vader on no, screen. No, he's not, no, he's not getting superimposed. All he needs is a set, and he just plays Return of the Jedi. Like Vader's helmet comes off and it's Silent Bob. I'm no pitch. I'm doing no doing a pitch rally, and I mean it this time. And I mean it. And I mean it this time, Nikki. Yes, yes. Nikki, but well in your idea. That was fucking. That was class. That was a great idea, Nikki. Well done. (laughs) And yours is a good idea too. I hope you're happy, Jane. What a sad. What a sad sad little wife, Jane. (laughs) Now take your money and get off my property. So after that's now that Gary's now. What a month that's been. <laughs> Gary's I've been here for ages. <laughs> Tell you finally get changed, lad. Gary's now the the is it the Indian champ? No, no, you're champion. Exactly. It's what's the, you say? What's, <laughs> what's the way wrestling works? It's not like a new champion every time. It's you. I'm surprised this isn't how wrestling works. The way you go on it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that wraps up indie ones. Yeah. Next nice. ones. It's films with troubled production. Something I know all about. We would like uh, to also stress. Thank God, Gary's came out to save the day. Man. <laughs> We'd like to stress that next month was actually going to be Bond month. Oh, we forgot to talk about that. Uh, James Bond by the money garden bastards. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, who cares right we'll talk about tonight's month we've gone we'll to November we've gone to November and talk about it there's no real rush <laughs> see you later yeah, then see ya the next one will be Jaws Troubled. what Jaws Jaws is the first one Jaws Jaws okay bye Jaws Jaws